Well, now that we've considered all of these things that we've mentioned previously, it's clear that anxiety is a very serious problem. It's important for us to view this problem correctly because how we view the problem of anxiety through God's eyes or through our own eyes will affect the way in which we handle the problem. I've known people who sincerely believed that worry was a way of life for them. Now the statement is, once a worry wart, always a worry wart. That's man's wisdom, not God's wisdom. It's very dangerous to view anxiety with the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world provides many explanations for the existence of anxiety. According to the nature theory, some people are just born with a sanguine disposition. In other words, they're naturally cheerful, happy-go-lucky, and relatively free from worry. Others are born with a melancholic disposition. They're worriers by nature and thus doomed to the life of anxiety. On the other hand, those who favor the nurture theory believe that children are raised in peaceful homes by peaceful parents will grow up to be free from anxiety. Other children are raised in an atmosphere of fear, abuse, and deprivation are doomed to become adults whose lives are plagued by worry. Well, the question is, are we really doomed to the consequences of nature or culture or doomed by anything else? By God's grace, the answer to this question is no. The good news, according to God's infallible word, the Bible, is that the problem of worry can be overcome. As believers, we have the means to experience deep, satisfying, abiding peace in Christ Jesus. How can we be sure of this? Well, consider what the scripture says. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord, for he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream, and he will not fear when the heat comes. But the leaves of that man who is compared to a tree, his leaves will be green, and he will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Psalm 29 and verse 11 promises, the Lord will bless his people with peace. In Psalm 85 and verse 8 we read, for he will speak peace to his people, that is to his godly ones. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 tells us that the steadfast of mind person who has a steadfast mind, trusting in the Lord, will be kept in perfect peace, 
Why? Because that man trusts in God. Galatians 5.22 tells us where this peace comes from. The fruit of the Spirit, according to the Bible, which is truth, is peace. Anxiety is the fruit of a sinful heart. But God's peace is the fruit of the Spirit. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul commands, Be anxious for nothing. Paul is telling us that there's never a situation in life that necessitates or requires worry. There's never a social situation, a financial situation, a medical situation. There is no conceivable circumstance in which we need to worry. Be anxious for nothing. We noted earlier that Jesus commanded, do not worry. Since we know that God does not ask us to do anything that he's not given us the power to do, we can be sure that it is possible to not be worried about anything. All of God's people can overcome the problem of worry. Philippians 4, 7 reveals that there are four important aspects of defeating anxiety in our lives. He says, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. First, real peace is God's peace. It is not the peace of a happy-go-lucky disposition or pleasant childhood. Overcoming anxiety acquires and requires the peace of God. Second, the passage says real peace is God's peace. It is not the peace of a happy-go-lucky disposition or pleasant childhood. Overcoming anxiety requires the peace of God. Real peace is peace that surpasses all comprehension, says the Bible. In other words, we cannot fully understand or explain that kind of peace because it's not based on anything tangible. In Psalm 3 and verse 5, David wrote, I lay down and slept. I awake, for the Lord sustains me. He wrote this psalm while fleeing from his son Absalom, who had formed an insurrection party to throw David off the throne of Israel. We cannot explain a peace that reigns in the midst of distressing circumstances. In the same way, we can't fully understand the peace that Peter experienced in Acts chapter 12. Herod had arrested both James and Peter. James was immediately beheaded, and Peter was thrown into prison until the end of Passover. The scripture says, on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. That's Acts chapter 12 and verse 6. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas are beaten and thrown into prison. While in prison, they're praying and singing hymns of praise to God. 
and the prisoners were listening to them, according to Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. This kind of peace truly passes understanding. And then third, this passage in Philippians chapter 4 says that real peace guards the heart and the mind. The Greek word that is translated guard in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 literally means to stand as a garrison. The same word is used in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 32 where the Bible says that Ethnarch under Aretas the king was guarding the city of the Damascenes in order to seize me. Peace that guards the heart and mind is peace that stands as protection against an enemy. The enemy is named in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Anxiety is the enemy against which God's peace, which is beyond understanding, guards our hearts and minds. It guards the inner man. Who can experience this peace? The fourth important aspect of this peace is its comprehensiveness. All believers can experience this peace. Philippians 4, 7 is for all believers. Paul said that this peace is in Christ Jesus. Anyone who is in Christ Jesus, who knows him as Savior and Lord, can experience this peace in his life. Anxiety can be defeated. And thus far we've examined the seriousness of the problem of anxiety, and we've seen that it can be solved with God's peace. Before we close this study, I would like us to take some time to consider how great a problem we personally have with worry. I suspect that some of us listening to this podcast are truly unaware of the extent of anxiety in our lives. We may not have ulcers. We may not call ourselves a worry worry ward. But I believe that anxiety is a sin that all believers may struggle with to some extent. From a careful study of biblical statements regarding anxiety, and from my experience with people as a biblical counselor, I've put together a checklist of worry symptoms. As you proceed listening to this list, I want you to evaluate each item carefully and honestly. You cannot address and solve the problem of worry or anxiety until you know that you have the problem. As I go through these statements of what I call the worry quotient inventory, I want you to rate yourself using the scale. Four is usually, this is true of me. Three is often, this is true of me. Two, this is sometimes true of me. One, this is seldom true of me. And zero, never. And so four, three, two, one, and zero. And here are the items. Rate yourself. 
What is it? Usually true of you, often true of you, sometimes true of you, seldom true of you, or never true of you. And by doing this, you can discover how serious your worry problem is. One, I become overexcited or react excessively, usually, often, sometimes, seldom, never. Two, I have difficulty sleeping at night. Again, usually, often, sometimes, seldom, never. Four, three, two, one, never is actually zero. Four, I feel nervous and jittery. Again, zero, one, two, three, or four. Five, I feel pressured. Usually, often, sometimes, seldom, or never. I feel out of it or distant. Usually, often, sometimes, seldom, or never. Which is it? Or, I feel uncomfortable and ill at ease. Usually, often, sometimes, seldom, or never. Four, three, two, one, or zero. I am dissatisfied. Another symptom of worry. Is it usually, often, sometimes, seldom, or never? Four, three, two, one, or zero. I find myself racing the clock to get things done. Again, usually, often, sometimes, seldom, or never. Zero, one, two, three, or four. I get irritated. Irritation, of course, is often a companion of worry. Is that true? Usually, often, sometimes, seldom, or never. And then, number 11, I have a sense of foreboding or gloom. I just, I'm sure something bad's going to happen. Zero, one, two, three, or four. Usually, often, sometimes, seldom, or never. I don't feel like doing anything. I'm just blah. Zero, one, two, three, or four. Usually, often, sometimes, seldom, or never. I think that I must be constantly busy or constantly working. I don't know what it is to relax. Zero, one, two, three, or four. Usually, I don't feel like doing anything often, sometimes, seldom, never. Or I must be constantly busy or constantly working. I've got to be doing something all the time. That's a symptom of worry. Zero, one, two, three, or four. Usually, often, sometimes, seldom, or never. And then... Another symptom, I feel down. People who are worried are not happy people. They are depressed people frequently. Zero, one, two, three, four. Usually, often, sometimes, seldom, 
or never. Another symptom of worry is, I feel helpless or out of control. Zero, one, two, three, and four. Usually, often, sometimes, seldom, or never. Another symptom is my stomach becomes upset. Is that something that happens to you usually, sometimes, seldom, all the time, or never? And then another symptom of worry is I feel my heart pounding. Zero, one, two, three, or four. Or I feel lightheaded. Sometimes when people are very nervous, they feel lightheaded. Or, this is number 20, my face becomes hot. My face just feels like it's burning up. Zero, one, two, three, or four. It's not because I've been out in the sun and I'm sunburned. Another symptom, I can't sit or stand still. Is that true of you? Usually, sometimes, seldom, or never. I'm critical of others. It's another symptom. My neck becomes stiff. I have headaches. My muscles feel tense. My fingers and hands shake. I can't sit or stand still. Again, is that something that happens usually, sometimes, seldom, or never? I'm critical of others. Anxious people are often complaining of others. That was true of Martha in terms of Mary in Luke chapter 10. People who are worried people are often critical people. Another, I relive or rethink past negative experiences. Something happens of negative experience, I just go over it again and again and again, and it becomes like something that is repetitive with me. That's often a symptom of worry. Or sometimes uh, people who are have a problem with worry are like this. When I'm doing one thing, while I'm doing one thing, I'm thinking about other things that I still have to do. And that becomes a constant refrain for me. The degree of your worry problem is often indicated by how much that happens. Another symptom. I'm so busy that I don't think I have time for worship or devotions. I know I should study the Bible, should read the Bible. I know I should pray. Maybe I, I know I should even go to church, some of the church meetings. But I'm just too busy to study the Bible, to read the Bible, to have devotions, or to take time out to go to church. Or another symptom of a worry problem is, I expect bad news. I knew it was going to happen. Or another symptom is, I feel distant from God. 
Is that something that never happens or sometimes happens, usually happens? I feel distant from God. I'm heavy-hearted, symptom of worry or anxiety, if that's a constant problem with you. Or I wonder if God really cares. I, in fact, I'm not sure he does. And you worry about that. Or when I make a mistake, I continue to think about it. I don't just say, well, I made a mistake now, I need to go on. No, you continue to go back over it and think about it. Is that something that happens usually, sometimes, often, seldom, or never? And then, I have difficulty praising and thanking God. How much do you thank God? How much do you praise God? Are you a person who is full of thanksgiving? The Bible says we should be thankful always. This is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Another passage says giving thanks always. Well, are you really a thankful person to God and also a thankful person to other people as well? And then another symptom of worry is I find it much easier to complain or find fault than to express appreciation. Are you a person who has difficulty expressing appreciation? That's often a symptom of worry. Or I focus more on God's commands and warnings than I do on God's promises and encouragements. What do you focus most on? God's encouragement, God's promises, or on his commands and his warnings? Or another symptom of a problem with worry is, I don't think I'm appreciated. I really don't think I'm appreciated or respected by others. And that's something you think about frequently, often, seldom, never. And then I foresee difficulties, problems, objects. I knew it was going to fail. I knew it was not going to work. And you foresee difficulties. That's what you think about. Now, there's a certain aspect of that that is proper, but then if that becomes a constant thing, we're constantly thinking about difficulties, problems, or objections, or calamities, or the worst. That, of course, is accompanying worry. And then, finally, I prefer to avoid challenging situations rather than face them. Rather than facing something that will be challenging, you stay away, you run away, you avoid them, and that can be a symptom of worry. Now, after you've gone through this list, this long list of symptoms of worry, go back through that inventory and identify the items that you rated as the most serious problem because they're often symptoms of worry. If you have a few items on which you rated yourself as often 
or usually, then you have to recognize you very likely have a problem with worry. But if you didn't rate yourself as usually or often on many of these items, or hopefully on none of these items, then it's likely that you're experiencing the peace of God that passes all understanding. All of these items are possible signs of the existence of anxiety in our lives. And just as a doctor considers the symptoms of a disease to help identify what the disease is, it's important for us to recognize the symptoms of worry or anxiety in our lives so that we know that this is a problem that we have to deal with. Well, that's this chapter on worry and anxiety. And in the next chapter, we're going to consider the difference between legitimate concern and sinful anxiety so that we can better identify how much of a problem with anxiety we have. And then we'll also begin to learn about the solution to the problem. What God has to say about overcoming anxiety and worry. And now, my friends, in the light of what you've just learned about yourself from this worry inventory, how much of a problem do you think you have with anxiety? In light of what you have learned about God's solution in Philippians chapter 4, how often would you say you experience the peace of God in your life? You experience the peace of God in your life always, often, sometimes, seldom, never. Never experiencing the peace of God may be an indication that you're not a true believer. It certainly is an indication that you have need for help in that area. Now, in the light of what you've learned about anxiety and peace, in what ways do you think God wants you to change? Since no one has fully attained God's peace and never will until we reach heaven, there's room for change in every believer. But identifying how serious the problem is, identifying the ways in which you need to improve is an important aspect of actually promoting improvement. Some people never improve because they never specifically identify how they need to change. And the worry quotient test that I gave you was intended to help you to identify, not to call you to worry, but you can't solve a problem until you identify what the problem is and how big a problem you have in that. And then in the future, as we continue on, we're going to discover more about how to experience the peace of God. But I already went through some ways 
It's important to experience the peace of God and overcome anxiety in this particular podcast. And perhaps you should go back and listen to it again and identify the various things we said about God's peace that are different from the ways that the world has to provide peace. The solution is not drugs, it's not pills. The solution is to experience the peace of God as it's described in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. And I can tell you this, from looking at verse 8, which indicates that if you are focusing on the things that are lovely, if you're focusing on the things that are worthy of praise, if you're focusing on the things that are excellent, the focusing on the kinds of things that are mentioned in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, you will be on your way to experiencing the peace of God that passes understanding. Heavenly Father, thank you that in your word you have given us everything we need for living and for godliness. And everything that we need in terms of experiencing the peace of God, which passes all understanding. And Lord, as we continue in this in the next podcasts, we pray that you'd help us to learn and to apply the Bible to our lives and become the kind of peace, the kind of people who can live in this life and demonstrate to others that we are seeking first the King of God, that we're trusting in God's sovereignty, we're trusting in God's love, we're trusting God's concern for us. Yes, we have to work. We have to discipline our minds to think properly. But if we believe your word, obey your word, if we build ourselves up in faith and in trust in you, we can experience the peace of God which passes all understanding. So help us reflect on what we discussed from the Bible in this particular podcast and apply it to our lives so we might demonstrate to others how much we trust our Heavenly Father that we might display to others that we know we have a Father who really cares for us, who will provide for us, who will protect us. Help us to that end, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.